So in other news, you see a, a, a candle up here. This candle is for the salvation of one of our kids. This past week on Wednesday night, uh, there was a, a, a very specific time given for um, sharing the gospel and for giving kids an opportunity to respond. And then afterwards in the small groups, um, I know his name. I had it right in the first service. Yes, it is Hunter. I want to make sure I get it right. Jameson and Stephanie are, are back here. And uh, their son, Hunter Voss, five years old, prayed to receive Christ as his Savior. Just five years old. He's got a long life ahead of him, and already he's intersected with God. And I was saying to the first service that it's important to me when I think about our kids and our students because I was, I was just a little bit older than that when uh, I was swinging on a rope swing, a tire swing in the backyard of somebody's uh, place, and we had cookies and we had red Kool-Aid, which drew me initially. That's the seeker-sensitive part of the program. And then we went into this kitchen where in between the kitchen and dining room in the doorway, there was the easel with, yes, the flannel graph people. The flannel graph people were up there, and they told the story about Bible people. And I had just recently gotten a big Bible out of my grandmother's closet and had asked her if I could take it home and was just kind of looking through it. The first time I'd ever looked in a Bible. And here were people from the Bible in living color on the flannel graph board. And that, I was mesmerized by that. I really was. And it was several weeks of those, uh, um, those backyard Bible clubs that one day I, I decided, yes, yes, I want to believe in Jesus. And I went into the living room and we knelt down by the couch and, and me and Mrs. Bennett prayed together and she led me in prayer and I believed in Jesus. And that was my start. And I think about the impact that that decision, my decision, right? It's God's decision, right? He called me. He intersected his grace and love with my life. My family was going nowhere spiritually. And I think about the impact that's made on my life and on my kids' life lives and on my grandkids' lives. Their lives are way different. That my grandkids are growing up in homes way different than what I grew up in. My kids grew up in homes different than what I grew up in. And my prayer for Hunter is that he has a home where where he also trains his kids and his grandkids. And he makes a he makes an impact in the world. So pray with me, would you for Hunter? Lord, I pray for Hunter. God, I pray for his life and for the impact he'll make in this world, first in his family and then in his class, then his neighborhood, his friends, his company, wherever he works. God, whatever you call him to, Lord, I pray that he would love you and serve you and obey you and that you would receive great glory. God, I pray that many people would come to faith in Jesus because of his life. Lord, we give you thanks for him For all the kids who are here on Wednesday nights, we continue to pray that good news would reach each one of them. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to clap for for that. That's super. And if if you serve, particularly now that we're talking about this, uh, we're thankful for everyone who serves, but if you serve on a Wednesday night, thank you. If you're, if you're in that room over there during the large group time, thank you. I just walk in there for just a few seconds, not even minutes, seconds, 
my skin starts to crawl, and I just, I've got, no, don't run like that. No, no, get off that chair. Get off the, don't, you're going to hurt them. No, no, stop, stop, stop. That's what I want to do when I walk in there, and I, I can't do that. So Londa walks in there. Lana gets energized by all those kids. I walk in there and it's just like, oh, let me out. Okay, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 6, speaking of let me out. Nehemiah gives a clinic here on, in just nine short verses on how in the world to stand up under opposition and distraction and annoyance and, and really enemy warfare. Because we read earlier in Ephesians chapter uh, 6 that we fight against principalities and powers. And we do. We, we, don't, we really don't fight against each other, even though that's how it works out sometimes. But, but there, those are spiritual forces at work, trying to pit, especially trying to pit believer against believer which is the very thing that saps the ability for people to know that we follow Jesus. When you have unity, then the world will know that you love me and that I have loved you and that the Father has loved me before any of it. So, Nehemiah is facing opposition. He's facing enemies. He's facing uh, distractions. And he gives, uh, like I said, he gives a clinic. He gives some lessons here on what to do when that happens. So us as a church, we're going to face distractions. Nehemiah's on the mission God's given him, and we're on the mission that God's given us. And neither rain nor sleet nor, nor pastoral transitions really can move this church, the body of Christ, off of the mission that God's given us. And I said months and months ago that we can't accomplish this mission just with the people in the room. That God has got to bring more people in, more people who will, who will embrace that mission and own that mission of making disciples with us for us to make the impact here in Newton that God wants us to make. First, the engagement, participation of every devoted follower of Jesus, and then more followers of Jesus. Some who come plug and play, ready to go. Some who come and just need to be trained and discipled, which is what we as churches do. So here in Nehemiah chapter 6, it says, When word came, whenever you do something for God, word will get to the people who are going to oppose it. Here's the term. Here's a phrase. When you say about what you're doing or news reaches, yeah, but, the yeah, butters. The yeah butters. There's a lot of yeah butters. You could be one of those yeah butters. Get rid of the butter. Just say yeah, yeah, and me and my buddy Johnny. He, he used to be a what do they call it when you would do a play, but it was all impromptu. That's called improvisation, improvisational skits and stuff like that. When we, he and I started doing the the, um, the the podcast together, he would tell me, "Man, Jeff," he goes, "You got to learn this." You just, you totally got us off track. You just stopped the momentum. I'm like, what? What'd I do? He goes, you said, yeah, but. You got to say, yes, and. Yes, and. How many of you learned that in improv? Yes, and. Somebody? You just learned it this morning. You say, yes, and. So, when word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, they're going to say, yeah, but. And the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, Though up to that time I had not set the doors, 
in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Hey, Nehemiah, yo, come. Hey, let's meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. Nehemiah was discerning. They were scheming to harm me. We have to be discerning. We can't just see every invitation as, oh, sure, yes. You know, of those of us who say yes too much, we have to learn how to say no. Well, Nehemiah was discerning. He already knew these guys, and they were inviting him. And there there was some, I have to believe that in that day, there was some, like, human benefit of him going to meet with them. Make them happy. Maybe they won't be so against me if I just go to meet with them. I could tell them what we're doing and they can kind of help maybe get them on board. That's not what was going to happen. They were trying to get in and cause trouble. So he says, but they were scheming to harm me. So I just sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? That's called determination and commitment. Nehemiah says, I'm carrying on a great project. See, he saw what he was doing. He saw that what he was doing for God is what God called him to do, and it was a great project. What is your great project? Do you have one? Think about it. We have a great God, so every project He gives us for us is a great project. It's not, He doesn't give us stuff to do just to keep us busy. Just go play over there and just talk with yourselves for, God gives us stuff. They're great projects. And we're going to have distractions and interruptions and people that they pull the pen and they drop the flash grenade in on us. They want to scare us and throw us off course. And Nehemiah says, no, I I can't be distracted by you. So then he says in verse 4, four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. You know, if, if, if I keep asking, I'll wear him down. I'll wear him down. And finally, just to, oh, just to get rid of it, well, he'll just say yes. He'll come and he'll meet with us. Then we'll get him. Then we'll, then we'll work our way in. Then we'll cause the problems. But no, every single time, Nehemiah gave the same answer. I am carrying on a great work for God. Why should I come down? Why should the work stop and I come down to see you? He wasn't going to do that. Then, verse 5, the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me. He's upping the ante. He's making it a little bit more official, a little bit more important, a little bit more flattering to Nehemiah that, that this guy, this governor of a region in the area, would send an aide, an ambassador, to make, a, to make a request with an official letter. He said, he sent an aide to me with the same message, Hey, come and meet. But in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. And here's what it says. It is reported among the nations. You like the way that starts? You know, it's, people are talking. People are saying, I saw it on the internet. It was on BuzzFeed. It was, this, was, this has been tweeted. And 
By the way, Geshem says it's true, so there's a secondary source here, that you and the Jews, you're plotting to revolt. You're creating your own little fiefdom up there. And therefore, you're building the wall to protect yourselves. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become king. Oh, Nehemiah, we know what you're doing. We know what's going on, and everybody knows because it's getting reported. And by the way, Geshem knows that it's true, too. According to these reports, you're about to become king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. And here it is. There's a king in Judah. There's a new sheriff in town. I'm taking over. Nehemiah, we know this is happening. Everybody knows. Now this report is going to get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. Nehemiah, I want to help you. Everybody knows you're trying to take over. You come. I can help you. I can get you out of this. I can, I can smooth the way. I can ward off this attack that's going to come by the king because you're trying to take over. See how, see how unsubtle he is at the end. He's kind of subtle at the beginning, and then at the end, he's like, hey, just ends the same way. Let us meet together. And Nehemiah's like, no, no. So he has to verse 8, it says, I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. <laughs> That's kind of funny, isn't it? You know, you think, Nehemiah, can you get a little bit more like articulate than that? It's kind of like, well, you're stupid too. No, you're stupid. Well, you're stupider. Nothing like this is happening, Sanballat. You're just making this up off the top of your head. I know that. And he didn't even deal with the fact that this rumor had gotten around and what might happen to him if the king who sent him thought he was actually trying to create his own little kingdom, re-fortify the walls, and have Jerusalem and, and Judah again a force to be reckoned with. He didn't even deal with that. He just said, you're making it up out of your head. It's not even worth replying to. He's giving us a little bit of a lesson here on how to handle distractions. Look at verse 9, the last verse. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking, their hands, they'll get too weak for the work, and it won't be completed. We're going to scare them. They're going to be so scared that they're not even going to be able to carry on the mission that God has given them. I don't believe Sanballat thought for a second that it was a mission from God. I think he just knew that his presence there and the refortification of Jerusalem was a potential political and military threat to him, and he just wanted to stop it. They were trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak. How do you think the enemy works? How do you think these principalities and powers work? You think they try to frighten us? Thinking that if we get scared and if we get frightened, we won't do what it is God's calling us to do. That's exactly when we have to do it. When we're scared and when we're frightened and when we think, if I do what God wants me to do, people could get angry. People could get mad. If you as a follower of Jesus went around like this, testing the wind, testing the breeze, thinking, oh no, if I do something 
Somebody's going to get mad. I'm going to lose some friends. There's going to be opposition. I'm going to suffer in some way. Jesus said we're not fit for the kingdom of God if we put our hands to the plow and we start, but we, we look back and the plow goes this way and that way and the field is ruined. We're not, we're not fit for the kingdom. What, what's the opposition in your life? What is the great work that God is calling you to do in all those distractions that are going on? You know, when God called Nehemiah to do this, he knew all this stuff was going to happen. He knew it wasn't smooth sailing. He knew that the, that the leaders of the nations around were going to get upset, were going to bring their armies to the city and threaten He says, they were trying to frighten us, thinking that their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But look at the rest of the verse, what Nehemiah did. But I prayed. Now strengthen these feeble hands. I prayed. Are we without recourse when we're faced with opposition and distractions and obstacles and hurdles to the things God's called us to do? We're not. We're not, without, we're not without recourse. We're not without opposition either. But we have somebody to go to. The one who was tempted in all points like we are, yet never sinned. The one who is our great high priest. priest the one who stands before God on our behalf. The one who took his blood and offered it, not in the temple made with hands, but up in heaven. Somehow he took the divine blood, and offered it for our sins. We have him to go to. And Nehemiah says, but I prayed, now strengthen my hands. He said at the end of chapter 5, the last verse of chapter 5, the chapter before, remember me with, lo- with favor, my God, for all I have done for these people. He wanted to be a good leader. He wanted the favor of God so that he could continue doing all that he had been doing for the people. He didn't want it for himself. He wanted it for them. And now he says, strengthen my hands. God, you give me strength. Apparently, their hands will get too weak for the work. Apparently, Nehemiah's hands were a little weaker. He was, he was a little concerned about this. So he just asked God, strengthen my hands. Strengthen our resolve. Help us to do this. As a church, we're going to face all kinds of distractions, all kinds of opposition. Because you send the troops where the battle is the most fierce. You don't send the troops to a place where nothing's going on. So if we're not going to do anything for God, if John and Mary go and they're not going to do anything for God, we, we won't get much opposition. But when we decide to do something for God and say, Jesus, we're following you, we're following you, you're our king We want to be a part of your kingdom. We want to do something for you. Then the troops kind of gather to oppose that. So let's just be ready. Let's just be ready. And not allow it. Ask God to strengthen our hands. So we've got a mission. And Pastor John and Mary will have a mission in another place, in a new place. That's exciting. It's exciting that God is going to use 
all of us in different ways, but he's going to use all of us. So Nehemiah gives us a clinic. What did he do? Well, I have notes here somewhere. He did just a couple things. What did Nehemiah do and not do? He did not get fooled. He didn't get fooled. We shouldn't get fooled. He did reply. He dealt with it. He, dis- he dispatched it. Basically, he said, uh, I'm not going to be bothered by you. But he did reply. He did not leave the work God gave him. And he did not let himself get intimidated or distracted. I would encourage us not to either, to neither leave the work nor allow ourselves to get intimidated or distracted. And then he did call them out with the truth. Truth is helpful. (laughs) Truth is everything. And he did pray. He did rely on God. I'm excited for the future, but I have no I have no thought that Hunter's future is going to be without any obstacles. I have no thought that our future as a church is going to just be, oh, God will bless, everything will be wonderful. It's not the way life is. It's not the way ministry is. As a church member or as a lay leader or as a vocational leader. But I know who we're following. We're following the king. And he's the only one worth following. So let's follow him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we can follow you. Thank you, Lord, that you've made a way for us when there was no way, that you asked us to be your people when we were not your people, that you've given us a purpose, Lord, when we had no purpose. God, I pray for one or two or more in here who have never said, Lord Jesus, I believe you and I believe in you. And I ask you to save me from my sins and make me a child of God. If you've never done that, you can say that. Jesus Christ, there's no other name by which we can be saved, the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus. And the love of God calls us to him. And the Son of God makes a way. Lord, help us. Help us this week to be proclaimers and livers of good news. And help us to follow you. Not a man, not a movement, not a church. But to follow you, Jesus. And then to band together as your body to do your will. So that your will would be done here in Newton, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.